Are you feeling stuck or are you unstoppable? Are you tired of creating incremental growth in your business while really wanting to make quantum leaps? Well then welcome, you found the right place to be fed. This is Susan, the founder of Unstoppable Women in Business and this podcast is for women entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, anyone who is unwaveringly focused on finding the best path to success in their business. While you're here, you're gonna be asked to think differently to get different results, to do things that are challenging, but oh, so rewarding. So come on, let's get started. Hello, ladies, and welcome again. It's so good to be back here with you. And today I have kind of an interesting guest for you, something that is very important to think about and consider in your business. But before we go there, I want to ask you a question. Think about going to bed at night and how you you know shut everything down. You turn your lights off. You may adjust the temperature on your um, air conditioning or whatever it might be. And I'm almost betting that you go and you lock your front door. Would that be part of your nighttime routine? It's part of mine. I live in a pretty safe place, but I just don't think I would ever go to bed without just checking and making sure my front door is locked. And the reason that I mention that is because when it comes to your business and protecting your business's, in essence, property, you got to lock your front door, ladies. And that happens to be protecting what is yours, your product. Most of you are coaches or online business people, and your product is your intellectual property. So not locking the door and protecting your intellectual property is inviting people in to um, take advantage possibly of you. So today I have a guest for you. It's Barbara Ingracia from Manage Copyright. And Barbara is an expert at not only understanding what you need to do to protect your own intellectual property, but she's even got a couple tips for you in regards to things you have put into your property that may or may not be something you need to keep there. So we're going to ask Barbara about that. But before we get started, I want to introduce you to Barbara. She's an amazing lady. She's in the detail. She, um, she does things that this girl that's right-brained would never think of doing, as in making certain that people are protected and understanding the copyright laws and, um, and what has to go into consideration. She's studied this murkiness of copyright for a long time. She studied it in, in school, and she's really an expert in this subject. So I'm so happy to hear you, have you here today with us, Barbara. What else do the, do the guests need to know about you uh, and what you do? Well, thank you so much, Susan, for inviting me to share with your audience today. Well, I consider copyright literacy to be a 21st century life skill because there is so much information and content bombarding us And it's easy to access it. And we want to be found. uh, Our website is the heart of our business, the hub of our business. And we direct people there from our blogs, our social media, whatever. We want them to see what we offer and hopefully sign up for uh, something. (laughs) And so that um, we want to be found. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people find us and they say, oh my gosh, this stuff is great. 
And then they take out their mouse. And with a click of the mouse, they take it. Mm. This, this that you have put your heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears and money and passion into, somebody steals it. And that's why we want to talk about protecting that intellectual property. We're all consumers of intellectual property. We know that. But we're also all creators of intellectual property. That has value. And I refer to it as your gold mine. Mm. So I want to arm you, equip you to guard your gold mine. Now, I come out of an academic library background. And as print evolved into electronic, I began negotiating licenses because you know, you don't own that electronic content, you're leasing it. And that rolled over into copyright compliance education. And I served in that role for students and faculty and staff at the campus where I was. And I served as a filter between them Mm -hmm. and university council. University council didn't want the questions of, oh, I don't see a C in the circle, so it must not be protected. It must be okay to use. They didn't that's not what they were there for. That's not and true. So, <laughs> I, would, uh, I would field those questions. And if I got up to my chin in gray murky ooze, then I would call on them and they'd throw me a rope and, and uh, bail me out. So that began in about 2008. And I've been working in, in uh, copyright compliance education, content protection strategy ever since. Amazing. Thank God for people like you, Barbara. <laughs> well, us creators, we just want to go rogue and, and create. And um, yeah, I can see where it goes both ways because you do, you know, here's the thing that's hard is you get an idea, right? There's very few new ideas out there. <laughs> and so you get an idea and you're looking around and you see the way people are presenting it. And then you, in essence, incorporate Um, a lot of different pieces into what you're creating. So what's the line on copyright? Like where are you crossing the line when you are infringing on someone else's intellectual property? Well, I'm not an attorney, but I can can say the phrase, it depends (laughs) just as well as an attorney. And uh, copyright is very fact-based. So what's the who, what, when, where, why, how? How much you're using? What are you going to use it for? And copyright protects original works of authorship. So that could be written, music, audio, photos, Mm -hmm. uh, video. And it does not protect ideas. It protects the expression of an idea. So you're right. There are only so many ideas in the world, Mm -hmm. but we all it can express them in different ways. So that is what's being protected is your original works of authorship. And in fact, it's the exact wording, for example. Um, that makes sense. And you'll see people just change a word here and there. No, that's, that's not enough to, gotcha. to uh, be safe. You have but, to add your own uh, thought leadership to it. But absolutely, the expression absolutely. is what's protected. Interesting. You know, you mentioned photos because I I think that photos are an interesting aspect here 
Um, can you talk about the ins and outs of what is protected and not protected in, in essence? Well, with anything that fits into the category of copyright protectable, and not everything is, believe it or not, but for those that do fit in, it's best to assume that something is protected by copyright until you can determine otherwise. Mm. And that's certainly the case with images. Many times people today are introduced to copyright in the digital age when they get a letter from an attorney saying, you have infringed my client's rights to a photo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, 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 how, I don't even know what that means. And because it's all floating around out there, yes. you know, floating around in cyberspace, uh, they, they must want me to use it. Or they wouldn't put it out there. And I can right click and copy and paste. Mm. So it's technically possible. So it must be okay. Mm. Uh, many times people will do a, a, you know, a Google search for images and they'll find lots of them. And they'll say, oh, 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 okay. I like that one and I need it right away. Without thinking about who might own the rights to that. You're seeing now more filtering. Uh, Google, uh, Flickr, uh, Creative Commons to help filter down what you might be able to use depending on what you want to use it for. Yeah. So an image might be all rights reserved. It might be all the way over to no rights reserved. Mm. But in talking about mentioning Pixabay and Pexels and Unsplash, mm-hmm. it's interesting that I've been discovering that, sure, you don't have to pay for those and you don't even have to give attribution. But in their terms and conditions, you know, in the fine print, the platform will say, well, we can't guarantee the accuracy of this. Anybody could come and upload something. They might not be the person who owns the rights oh, to do it. Wow. And then um, so it's uh, uh, those platforms say it's your responsibility to do the due diligence. I've been a big fan of of images, but now that's giving me pause to think about that and proceed a little bit differently. And um, I'm sorry, you cut out there for just one second on my side. What a fan? Oh, and it wasn't you. I'm sure it's internet. What was the, you're a fan of Google Images? I'm a fan of uh, Pixabay oh, okay. and the uh, Unsplash and Pexels okay. and all those free images. But in fact, we know that. An image is worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. We don't want that image to be also worth a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now we're getting down to brass tacks. So let's say you're out there on Pexel or Unsplash and you find an image that you believe you can use for free. You put it out into something. And how how do people find out? Like how how does it get discovered? that you're using this image and then, like you said, they could find you if it was put up on Pexel or Unsplash uh, without the, the creator's approval. How does that process work? Well, you know, there are all these little bots and things running around um, with their own little algorithms and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're working 24-7 
to to discover these things. Certainly, we know that um, Getty is very diligent. We know that that Disney is very diligent. Mm. So it's just best to assume that something's protected by copyright. The best solution to that is to seek permission, to seek a license. That isn't always feasible time-wise or financially. So that it might be necessary to to look for for a different image, one that has licensing that allows you to to use it in the way you'd like. Mm. There is uh, sometimes if you look at Flickr, you can dig around in the image and you'll see who the photographer is, a link to their to their site, to their email, what size camera they used, what the stops were. All of that is giving you more uh, assurance that that person is the one who took the picture and has the rights to be uploading it. But oftentimes you'll see something called some rights reserved Mm. so that it's not all rights reserved and it's not no rights reserved. So it takes a little more exploration there. Are they allowing you to use it for commercial purposes are you allowed to use it uh, and modify it so as you put those filters on you get fewer results um but but it's something that you always have to be aware of yeah Yeah. and people have different um comfort levels with risk so well you're you know you're right but that free photo like you said could end up causing you a thousand dollar penalty so it's you know, it's easier sometimes to ask forgiveness than permission, but in this case, you have to decide whether or not that that penalty is worth risking. So doing due diligence is a good idea. I would well, say. Um, works that were published prior to 1926 in the U.S. are in the public domain. Oh. So their copyright has expired. Okay. And um, for example, the New York Public Library and some museums have now curated their their paintings, their works, and determined what conservatively they think is in the public domain. So they can be a good resource. Works created by U.S. government employees in the course of their employment, those works are not protected by copyright. So we know that uh, the federal government has been writing and whatever, for years and years and years, all kinds of things from baby and child care to growing award-winning tomatoes. So there are going to be images, there's going to be text available that um, can be used. Oh, that's very interesting. I love that. All right. So we've talked a little bit about images and a little bit about your IP and making certain that you protect it. Tell me, um, well, if you wouldn't mind, just can you give us a couple examples of how you protect your own IP? Yes, there are several ways that are fairly simple and, and inexpensive. One thing for your website is to make sure that all the legal ducks are in a row. Look down at your footer and are there links there to terms and conditions, privacy policy, disclaimer that kind of thing. Those tell the world 
what they can do when they come to visit your website. Also, um, use the C in a circle. Since 1989, it has not been a requirement to put a copyright notice on a work. And that is just contrary to anything that we may have been <laughs> brought up believing. But because that's not required, things are copyrighted the moment they're fixed in a tangible medium. So that's print, audio, video, a hard drive, thumb drive. So the moment that happens, that work is protected by copyright. It doesn't have to have a C in a circle. It doesn't have to be registered with the U.S. Copyright Office. But both of those are very good ideas okay. in order to prove what, what you have created is your own. Uh, but so it's very frustrating if there's nothing on something, you know, nothing on the bottom of the screen or the handout or whatever. You say, well, does that mean it's not protected by copyright? But I'm supposed to assume that it's protected by copyright. How am I going to get permission if I don't even know who the creator is? Mm. So that, that mm. has created a new, a new situation called mm. Orphan Works. Orphan Works. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay. All right. And um, you had mentioned to me that there was some importance in keeping an inventory of what's on your website. Talk to me about what, what you mean by taking an inventory of it. Because we get content, ideas, photos, whatever, from many places. And we think, oh, yeah, I'll remember where I got that. Mm -hmm. It's good to keep an inventory. What's, what is the item? What is the photo? Um, where did you get it? Do you have a, did you get a license for it? And what's that license information? Where are you keeping the license? So that if you are ever challenged at some point, you say, I've got I've got my proof right here of mm -hmm. where I got it, when I got it, maybe how much I paid for it. Um, all of these things that are just a, a nice collection, a nice backup right. without having to go crazy. You know, there's nothing. <laughs> we maybe all remember the night before papers do saying, oh, no, where did I get that? Quote? Where did I get that idea? You know, frantically going back through stuff. Well, if that's all been. Um, collected and captured along the way, that yeah. makes life a lot easier. That makes sense. You did, uh, you know, what came to mind also is I think when we were talking before, you said, if you're writing original content, that that's part of the inventory as well. Because if someone came into play and was saying, you didn't write this, I did, you have to prove when you created it. And it was previous to the other person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And really the, the best way to ensure that is to register it with the U.S. Copyright Office. Uh, that draws a real deep line in the sand. And it's not an expensive process. It's not a time-consuming process. It's all done online. So if there's something that you really want to protect, that's a good way to go. If you think there are going to be a lot of eyes on it. Yes. Um, also, put that C in a circle with the year and your name or your business name mm -hmm. on the bottom of everything. Um, your, your videos, your handouts, uh, everything. Because oftentimes things get pulled apart. Yeah. And if it's on everything, mm -hmm. it won't matter as much if it's been pulled apart. 
Gotcha. How about program names? And even to some extent, a business name, can you copyright that or is that, does that have to be trademarked? Well, that's a good question uh, because that's an area of confusion. Copyright protects the content Mm -hmm. and trademark protects the name or the brand. And typically that logo or that tagline isn't long enough to be protected by copyright. Um, And so then that's where trademark comes in. And we know we all have favorite trademarks. We know the Nike swish. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, how would you copyright a a swish? (laughs) (laughs) As artwork, I suppose. But um, so it protects your brand and you don't want the consumer to be confused by what they're finding out there in the marketplace. You don't have to register a copyright. You don't have to register a trademark. But if you really want to be protecting something, uh, that's the way to go. Now, the trademark process is more lengthy and more more expensive, but um, it can be well worth it. Now, the interesting example I like to use is Dove Soap and Dove Candy. Yes, that's a good one. Those are both trademarked Dove but they're very different categories. You know, one's in soap and the other's in, in food, candy. Right, right. So there can be identical uh, trademarks. If it's, and it's not going to be confusing when you're talking about Dove. Are you talking about soap or candy? That's not going to be confusing. Right. Or Delta Airlines and Delta Faucets. <laughs> they're, they're miles apart. Gotcha. So, um, you just don't want people to be confused because if someone else is using the same name, the same uh, logo or whatnot, and their work isn't very good, you don't want that to be reflecting on your brand. And right. so that is a reason to protect yours with a trademark. It is so fascinating. Thank you. I've, I've always was wondering what the distinction was between a trademark and a copyright. So now we know it's branding and you know, kind of purpose of the business as opposed to the actual content. Um, for and the, then we all know patents and as another example of intellectual yes. property. And then the fourth one, which is really kind of cool, is the trade secret. Shh, we don't tell anybody. And that's the story with the recipe for Coca-Cola. Right. It's been around for a long, long, long time, but no one person knows what that secret spark is. Scientists have figured out what's in Coca-Cola, but they just can't get that 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 special that special secret something that makes Coca-Cola Coca-Cola. Very cool. Barbara, you're a fascinating lady. And this is important stuff. You guys, you have to, I know that it's not the sexiest thing we can talk yeah. about, right? But it yeah. is critical to your business. Imagine building a program, um, naming it something or putting content into it. And then it is the flagship of your company. And all of a sudden you get some notice that you're out of compliance and they want to pull the program name, pull. I mean, wow, it could crumble, crumble you. As crazy as it is, sometimes entire websites are stolen, including the about page, which just blows my mind. And I know of a case in which 
the the original owner, you know, and they're battling the thief. The thief says, oh, no, I was the originator. You're the thief. And what a nightmare that was. And the person really had to just rebrand and start over. Mm. So my mission is to raise awareness about the role of copyright in our lives and how we can use it as a tool to achieve our dreams and our goals, and also as a tool to protect what has come from those those dreams and goals. And I enjoy bringing some fun to a heavy topic. (laughs) I love you, Barbara. This is awesome. All right, listen, guys, we could only visit with Barbara and probably get the tip of the iceberg of her knowledge. So you want to check out Barbara's website. It's managecopyright.com. And on the front page, Barbara's got an amazing offer for you. She has a free ebook around how you can protect your gold mine. So make certain that you visit Barbara out at managecopyright.com. We'll have that in the show notes as well. Take advantage of the information she has there and get to know Barbara better. Um, Barbara, I see you've got webinars. You've got lots of things. Like you said, you're on a mission. This is something you've adopted as your mission, and I love having you out there. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. This has been fun. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. And everybody, you all have a great day. Don't forget that there's a big pajama launch party. It's a virtual party, but it's on November 8th. You'll be getting some notice about this in your email. Or if you're new to the podcast, please check out Unstoppable Women in Business, both on Facebook and on a website. And uh, you can celebrate with me because we've got a new book coming out. and Plug your ears, Barbara. It's called, oh, I'm in sales. (laughs) It's an entrepreneur's guide to making sales her new BFF. So everybody out there who's an entrepreneur is in charge of raising revenue or creating revenue in your business and sometimes feels just a little bit funky about it, you need this book. So November 8th, we're having um, the kickoff and launch party, and I'd love to have you there. Barbara, if you're available, I'd love to have you there. Well, I'd love to join you. Yes. I'll get my pajamas all all laid out. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. All right, guys, check out all the show notes for more information about all this and to meet up with Barbara. Thank you again, Barbara. Pleasure having you. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Hey there, lady. What are you doing? We need to get to know each other better. Come on over and visit me at www.unstoppablewomeninbusiness.com and check it out. I've got so much good stuff over there for you and I would love to get to know you better. So come on, come on over. Let's hang out.